or whenever you are, ladies and gentlemen. This is Sports Crunch with D. Crom. I'm your host, David Cromwell. And as you hear these words, we will be only two weeks away from the 2021 NFL Draft, and it can't come and go soon enough, folks. But in that matter, our annual Dash to the Draft Divisional Tour continues full speed ahead with a stop in arguably the most quarterback-heavy division in the NFL, a distinction that will be even more justified when its newest single caller is revealed early in the night on April 29th. In case uh, you couldn't guess right, I am talking about the NFC West, and I assume a lot of you did guess right. (laughs) And to help us break down the draft do's and don'ts of the 49ers, Cardinals, Seahawks, and Rams, it is a pleasure to welcome Javier Vega to the program for the very first time. Javi is the co-founder of 49ers Goldmine, which is an excellent resource for all fans of Niner Nation, and he is also a veteran of the United States Navy, so congratulations and we salute you for your service, Javi. And Javi, officially, welcome to the program. How are you doing? Thanks for having me. I am good, you know, just uh, trying to raise two boys and kind of keep my sanity. But other than that, uh, really good and just ready for this draft to get here. It can't happen soon enough at this point. Absolutely. And uh, let's talk about the team that you cover and root for, the San Francisco 49ers. And with the first two picks, essentially it's Sharpie, uh, Trevor Lawrence to the Jaguars at one and Zach Wilson to the Jets at two. The 49ers will essentially begin this draft with the third overall pick and a selection uh, for which they paid a heavy price to move up to. While we cannot be 100% certain which quarterback will be their choice, and uh, we will get to Trey Lance and Justin Fields shortly, you and I seem to be in wholehearted agreement. (laughs) <laughs> that all the buzz around Mac Jones being the pick at three is a bunch of hooey. And one of the main tea leaves that gives me confidence that is exactly the case is Benjamin Albright's report that several people in the 49ers organization, high up in the organization, believe that Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo alone, cost them Super Bowl 54. And mortgaging your future to replace Garoppolo with essentially Andy Dalton 2.0 would be one of the dumbest moves in modern NFL history. What message do you have to those 49ers fans and football fans everywhere who are still buying into the Mac Jones hype? Uh, I say don't buy it. I say pay attention to what your coach says. Pay attention to how John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan speak about the position and how they've you know shifted in their their, their thought process. Um you know, when they first took over the team, yes, they Kaepernick was out the door. They brought in Brian Hoyer. The you know the whole plan was to get Kirk Cousins. Kyle Shanahan admitted to doing so, and you know having wanting him as as a as his desired quarterback, probably just because of familiarity. And they didn't you know bother to, you know, take the swing on Watson or, or take a swing on Mahomes and those guys. And then the timeline for the 49ers wouldn't allow them to look at a guy like Josh Allen, who you know Kyle Shanahan admittedly has, has said that he liked. Um, so. The Mac Jones stuff. When people say he's a scheme fit, no, he isn't. I mean, it's just he doesn't even. He, he I think he was the least uh, out of all the four out of the five quarterbacks. I think he was the least quarterback under center. Ran the least play action. Threw a whole ton ton of screens. Um, you know, it, it, it's it's the hype on Mac Jones is out of hand. I was at the Senior Bowl. Um, got to see him firsthand. And by no means am I an expert on quarterback play, but. There was nothing about that per- about him that said top 10 pick, not even top 20 pick. But this is the NFL. Teams are desperate for quarterbacks. We all saw this offseason teams making weird moves to add quarterbacks. You know, Chicago with Dalton. The Panthers, you know, had their draft plans ruined essentially by the 49ers. And they had to go trade for Sam Darnold. So I'm not buying into the Mac Jones hype. I think Mac Jones ends up falling out of the top 15 right into Washington's lap at 19. Um, and then you see the first four gone within the first 10 picks. I agree as well. And uh, and based on where you and I stand, 
at least uh, in terms of whom the Niners actually do pick at three. I think right now it is a toss-up between Justin Fields and Trey Lance. I wouldn't be shocked out of my shoes if either one of them is the pick. And John Lynch and Kyle Shannon will likely get to spend some quality time with both prospects at their second pro days with Justin Fields tomorrow in Columbus and Lance this coming Monday in Fargo. And shortly after the Niners made that blockbuster trade to move up to three, you tweeted, and I quote, Lancer Fields at three, I do not care, unquote. Do you really think Kyle Shanahan can't go wrong with either of them? And if so, why? Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think you can't go wrong with either one of them. You know, we, we, it, we I look at it the way the Niners, the Niners got production out of it. Nick Mullins and C.J. Beathard. And when I say production, you know, you had re- you had some close games. You had guys that shouldn't, you know, had no business scoring touchdowns and, and throwing as many yards as they had um, under in this offense. So if you know, theoretically, if you're if you're just looking at a more talented prospect like a Trey Lance or a Justin Fields, as opposed to a C.J. Beathard and a Nick Mullins, of course you see you would expect those things to be, uh, you know, your the outcome of the team, you know, the outcome for the team would be much better. So yeah, Trey Lance and Justin Fields both give the 49ers dynamic they've been missing. You know, the ability to make plays off of structure, or out of structure, the ability to push the ball down the field. The ability to run the ball, which allows, which adds way more to the offense. And for those folks who, you know, swear that Kyle Shanahan hit RG3, he didn't hate RG3. I think a lot of that stuff is just media driven and just out of, you know, outlandish at, at, at this point. You know, there has been plenty of discussion the way Kyle spoke about that offense and even the way RG3 speaks about Kyle Shanahan. That relationship wasn't as toxic and everyone made it out to be. I think a lot of that had to do with Dan Snyder and Robert Griffin III's father. But uh, as far as Lance and Fields go, they would both be successful, you know, for those folks who are like, oh, well, rookie never wins a Super Bowl, you know, his first year. And that's not – to me, that's not the expectation that you should set a Super Bowl for the first year with a rookie quarterback. I think your expectation is with a rookie quarterback going to a good team, you should expect the playoffs. And that's kind of where I'm at with this team. You know, if if the Niners were to select Justin Fields or, or Trey Lance and they're relatively healthy as compared to their division, they should be in the playoff hunt. They should be a wild card team, potentially win the division. And I, I wouldn't expect them to win the Super Bowl in his first year with a rookie, but I would expect them to make the playoffs. This team was 6-10 and 10 last year, and if it wasn't for terrible quarterback play by Nick Mullins to two or three games, the Niners probably win nine games, almost ten games. Um, so it's just – it's one of those things where if you're gonna up, if you're gonna increase the talent at the quarterback position with what the roster is as constructed has, you should be winning 10, 11 games uh, in 2021. Uh, not to make any excuses, but you also have to factor in that the Niners were one of the most snake-bit teams in terms of injuries last year to key players. Absolutely. And uh, the fact that they were able to squeeze six wins uh, together, it was just uh, remarkable. And that's one of the main reasons why Robert Sala is now the head coach of the uh, New York Jets and the Niners believe in the depth of their roster, which is why they traded up not only to get one of the quarterbacks that they love, but also to extend their window with this roster. Steve Young said you have a young quarterback on a cost-controlled five-year rookie deal that allows you to build the roster around him and keep a lot of the key guys who are due for extensions very soon. And it uh, lengthens the time you have to win a Super Bowl with this roster as it is. Yeah, I mean, you know, you, you look at the 2021 team, you know, you're, you're, I think the biggest concern for me right now at this point is just the corners. Um, what they would do there, but as far as the rest of the team, it's intact for the most part. You Nick Bosa's already running and doing his, you know, ten yard, ten yard shuttles and all that other stuff. So I mean, I would expect the team to make the playoffs, and I, th- I think adding a rookie here is just gonna, just gonna put them back in the, right in the mix. And you know, you look at the rest of the division; it's kind of in shambles when it comes to Seattle. Who knows what's going on there with Russell Wilson? 
Arizona, as long as Cliff Kingsbury is the coach, I have no confidence in them. And then the Rams, they've mortgaged, you know, the next two years on, on Matthew Stafford. Um, you know, those guys, they don't have any really pick, they don't have any picks to kind of recoup or rebuild their roster as, as it ages. So the Niners are setting themselves up for, you know, hopefully a long run here as long as they hit correctly on this pick. Oh, of course. And uh, before we uh, get to the Cardinals, uh, who you mentioned, uh, I just want to take a brief trip down recent memory lane when a Mark Schofield, a noted quarterback expert analyst uh, who writes for USA Today's The Touchdown Wayer, came on the program in early March, and we talked about uh, Trey Lance. And he said that Trey Lance, because of his uh, ability in a pro system in college, playing under center, and his athleticism, uh, especially with his feet, uh, he saw him as a natural fit with the 49ers more than any other team. And uh, there were rumored reports uh, uh, that the Atlanta Falcons were enamored by him before the Niners traded up to three. And I'm not saying it will be, Lance. Like I said, I wouldn't be shocked if it's Fields either. But uh, it, but based on those tea leaves, uh, would, would you be uh, surprised if it's Lance? Um, No, not necessarily. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be upset about it. I... I... I think I think Lance could come in and play right away. I think he would, you know, he's someone that runs a lot of the, the concepts that the Niners are running right now. Um, and now the adding, the, you know, the the new the new information that was, you know, privy that I just got was, you know, uh, Lance is working with John Beck. John Beck is a guy who Kyle Shanahan knows personally, professionally, has been working with him for quite some time. Um, you know, and Beck has been working with Zach Wilson, who. You know, if anyone remembers or follows me on Twitter, I had kept bringing up that connection with Zach Wilson, the 49ers, and John Beck. Um, of course, you add in the Steve Young factor there, and then of course Adam Peters is seen at the Boise State versus BYU game. Then you add in Justin Fields, his QB QB collective. Now, uh, Justin Fields is working out with John Beck, and then just recently, like I said, um, the information now that comes out that Trey Lance is working with John Beck. So, no, I would not be surprised. There's so many layers here to this quarterback decision i think kyle shannon is doing his due diligence here and he's having guys that he trusts um give him information you know because with covid you can't you can only do so many meetings you can only do so many workouts um and if you could have a coach that you're familiar with working with a guy that you're interested in you're going to get some information from that coach um and that, i don't think that's against the rules or anything like that i think that's just kind of normal nfl stuff where john beck is saying hey this guy does this well this guy does this well this guy does this not so well etc cetera, etc cetera. And Kyle's getting a lot of information. So, no, I would not be surprised by Trey Lance at three. Uh, yes, and uh, John Beck, I believe, also works with Justin Fields. Is that correct? Yeah, Beck has been working with Justin Fields, I want to say, for I want five or six months now. Um, we were, well, after the college football season, but I believe he was working with him last summer as well, too. There's just a lot of connections here with Kyle Shanahan, John Beck, and the three quarterbacks that he's tied to, Zach Wilson, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance. I, I, I don't buy the Mac Jones stuff one bit. And I think it's lazy by a lot of these uh, media experts. So It's lazy yet hilarious. I just laugh every day I see it. Like, these guys have no clue. And they must think Kyle Shanahan is as dumb as a rock, which he is not. He's not dumb at all. And he wouldn't make a dumb pick by mortgaging the future, like I said, to draft essentially Andy Dalton 2.0, or if not a worse version of Andy Dalton, for crying out loud. So uh, <laughs> I hope uh, all of you out there uh, who still believe the Mac Jones to the 49ers talk at 3 Drop it, please. The 49ers are going to pick either Trey Lance or Justin Fields. Put it in Sharpie. And now on to the Arizona Cardinals. And uh, you mentioned it. Uh, I don't trust uh, Cliff Kingsbury either, personally. But this is, indeed, a make-or-break year 
for Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray, and the Cardinals organization. And we can tell that they know that because of the signing of J.J. Watt and the trade they made for Rodney Hudson. That said, at least in part because of the trade for Rodney Hudson, Arizona only has two picks in the first three rounds. What are their most important areas of need to address with those two picks in order to take the step that's required for Cliff Kingsbury to keep his job? I think the biggest thing they need to figure out is the head coach. Um, and that's just, you know, for, for all the stuff he gets about being an offensive genius, you, you can't line up DeAndre Hopkins on the left side. You know, well, I don't know. I don't remember the number, but it was rather high. And, you know, you're running the same type of concepts with your best wide receiver and Kyler Murray. I think, I think the biggest issue with that team is the head coach. Um, but as far as positional stuff, I, I would probably focus on getting um, – getting themselves, you know, another linebacker to go with Isaiah Simmons and then addressing the cornerback position. I think defensively they need to improve. I think, you know, with uh, Patrick Peterson, I don't believe he is back um, in Arizona. So you're going to need to, you know, have someone across from Byron Murphy. Buda Baker's a nice player. You may want to look at another safety. I would go probably another linebacker. I would go safety, and then I would probably try to bolster um, the uh, you know an additional pass catcher, whether that be a tight end or, or or another wide receiver to pair with Kirk and DeAndre Hopkins. So you know two defensive players and one offensive player I think would help them. But I think the biggest issue is Cliff Kingsbury game management, his play calling tendencies. Those things are are what's kind of holding the Arizona offense back and this team essentially. I completely agree with you, man. Uh, like uh, for instance, uh, I had Kyler Murray on my fantasy team last year. And it frustrated the hell out of me, well, not just as a fantasy football owner of Kyler Murray, but as a fan of football in general, how Cliff Kingsbury kept on taking the ball out of Kyler Murray's hands at the worst possible moments. Didn't it occur to you like he was doing that? Yeah, and, and he taking it out of his hands or just, you know, running a lot of the similar stuff and then, you know, kind of putting his quarterback at risk to take a lot of hits. You saw towards the end of the year, Kyler was yeah. not as explosive as he was early on in the season. It just... You know, I think the issue there is Cliff Kingsbury. As long as Cliff Kingsbury is the head coach in Arizona, I think they're going to be a meddling team right around that 500 number. They're not going to be a team that's going to make the playoffs. It just is what it is at this point with them, and they have to figure it out with their head coach. And I don't know how long Kyler Murray can last in the league. You know, he's 5'10", maybe, maybe. Um, and he's taking a beating back there, and he's, he's, giving, he's taking a lot of hits, and that's just going to end up, you know, I don't wish injury on anybody, but it's not, it's not pleasant to see a guy that small take so many hits the way he's taking them. Uh, yes, and that's another reason why I think it wouldn't be the worst thing if they invested an early pick or two into the offensive line in Arizona because of the hits Kyler Murray uh, is taking. But on to the uh, Seattle Seahawks, and ever since their heartbreaking loss at Super Bowl Forty Nine, the Seahawks have become a stagnant franchise, and stagnant may be putting it kindly. And even though he remains in the fold, at least for this upcoming season, it is clear that Russell Wilson is absolutely frustrated with the lack of progress the Seahawks have been making these past few years. And due in part to the Jamal Adams trade, the Seahawks only have three draft picks this year. Uh, setting two first-round picks for a safety, no matter how amazingly talented that safety is, is never a good idea, folks. And because of that trade, uh, they, like I said, they just have three picks, and just one of those picks is in the first three rounds. And if you're John Schneider and Pete Carroll, how do you make the most out of these draft picks this year? Do you like trade back from 56 overall, which is the first bite at the apple, multiple times before <laughs> making your first selection or something like that? Uh, with Seattle, it's just, man, at some point, at some point, they're just going to have to cut ties with Russell. I think at some point, you, you may just have to cut ties with Pete and kind of restart the entire thing. Yeah. Um, listening to Russell was what, kind of forced the 
Jamal Adams trade? Like, why would you, like Russ, you want the team to improve the offensive line, yet you want to send off two first-round picks for a glorified linebacker at safety. That doesn't make sense, right? No. Um, when it comes to Russell, I think Russell's one of the, you know, I think Russell's a top two quarterback. You know, yeah. Mahomes and Russell are my top two, in my opinion. Um, but he's also, you know, I know we make fun of Sam Darnold for seeing ghosts, but if you turn on the film, Russell leaves a lot of clean pockets. You know, he kind of he puts himself at risk. He takes a lot of hits as well, and I, I think it's taking a toll on him. And I think there's also the the scenario with his wife, um, where she just may want to be out of Seattle as far as markets and you know where where Russ can build his legacy and I think that's that's an issue I think I've, I've always been a fan of Russell Wilson the player Russell Wilson the person kind of always rubbing the wrong way kind of always really seemed phony kind of um disingenuous with a lot of his stuff and I think you know where he's starting to talk about his legacy and these things like that it's like what about Bobby Wagner's legacy what about you know Earl Thomas and Cam Chancellor and all those other guys who helped you get to that ring and those back-to-back Super Bowls. What about those guys' legacy? They want to win as just as much as you do. Why don't you take a you know figure out a way to re- rework your contract and figure out some of these money issues that are going on in Seattle? Maybe don't stick your nose into personnel decisions, and you can have yourself you know get a better team around you. Because in the NFL, I, I, I'm really starting to believe the notion of having a rookie quarterback under that four or five years of cost control is your window of opportunity to win now unless you're Tom Brady um, where you're, you know, you find a quarterback like him where he's willing to take a little bit less to make sure the team stays together because guys like that who want to win and he, the legacy will come with it. Um, whereas with Russ and, you know, you see him with Mahomes. Mahomes took a pay, you know, he redid his contract so that way they had money to nearly acquire Trent Williams. You know what I mean? So yeah. it's with, with Russell, I think a lot of it is ego playing in his, with him. Um, as far as what they need to do <laughs> with their roster – they need another linebacker. I mean, Wagner is only getting older. He still played fairly well last season. Um, they're probably gonna they're gonna need two safeties. Or I'm sorry, no, not two safeties. They have Quandre and uh, and Adams. They're gonna look. They're gonna need a corner because they just uh, signed Akella Witherspoon from San Francisco. So they're gonna need a corner. I think they're gonna have to figure out their tight end position. And then I would I would try to add. Um, just some depth at running back, like some legitimate depth at running back because all their guys have been banged up so much um, with how they play. So those would be the biggest needs for me. And then maybe Russ, just kind of reset yourself, Russell. You know, you're leaving a lot of clean pockets. Um, and then, of course, same thing with, with Cliff Kingsbury is I think with, with Brian Schottenheimer or just the offense in Seattle, it's just so stagnant. It's just – it's boring. It's It doesn't – it's not creative enough and it's hard for them to – to win some of these games and playoffs, you know, there is no reason for uh, Jared Goff to light them up and Russell Wilson couldn't keep pace. You know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's a wild concept for me with the Seattle Seahawks. It most certainly is. And uh, gloomy, uncertain days ahead in the Emerald city. And uh, despite having made no picks in the first round since 2016, and that is a streak that will likely continue all the way through 2023, the Los Angeles Rams may currently have the best possible roster, at least at the moment on paper, to dethrone the Bucks in the NFC, especially after the acquisition of uh, Matthew Stafford. And that's not just uh, my opinion. I don't necessarily believe that that was our mutual friend Matt Barr's opinion. But that mm. said, there are a lot of short and long-term concerns on that Rams offensive line. And given Stafford's recent injury history, and uh, he's 33 years old, so he's uh, not getting any younger. Do you think the Rams should highly consider double-dipping at offensive line with their day-two picks? They got three day-two picks, and uh, I don't think it would hurt them if they double-dipped at uh, the offensive line. 
No, I don't think it would hurt them. I think I think you want to keep Matthew Stafford upright. I think it, it would be smart to go that route. I think um, I think they're going to want to. I, I would if I'm the if I'm the Rams, I'm going offensive line with their first pick, and then I'm going to go the defensive line with their second pick. You know, they win they win similar to the Niners. They win in the trenches. They want to use the outside zone in the run game, and then they want to get after you by rushing four, maybe five. Um, so I would add an additional pass rush. You know, they did lose Michael Brockers. They lost seven starters on defense. Um, so I would look to adding an edge rusher. This edge rushing class is pretty darn good. And when you have an Aaron Donald, you're going to see a lot of one-on-ones from the edge um, for, you know, certain guys. So, you know, there's guys that could be there. Patrick Jones, Jordan Smith out of UAB, uh, Rashad Weaver out of Pitt. There's, this class is loaded, I think, with really good um, versatile edge rushers to where they can, you know, they can play the three technique, the five, the nine, whatever you need them to do, you're able to do that. Um, there's a lot of effort guys here as well. So, you know, I, I would, if I'm the Rams, I'm going offensive line, I'm going defensive line, and then I'm going to probably look at slot corner or corner uh, with the first three selections with the Rams. He is Javier Vega, ladies and gentlemen, the co-founder of 49ers Goldmine. You can follow him on Twitter at Javier, V-E-G underscore. And now it is time to do our favorite part of these programs on our Dash of the Draft Divisional Tour. Three-round mock drafts for all four teams in the NFC West, starting with the 49ers. And we got an interesting scenario here on the uh, Draft Network mock draft machine. Uh, Trevor Lawrence, obviously, well, one of the Jaguars, but the Jets <laughs> got Justin Fields at two. So the 49ers' <laughs> choice in this mock, even though it's probably not going to be this way on April 29th, is between Zach Wilson or Trey Lance. But just for the sake of this exercise, if you're John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan and, and Adam Peters, uh, who in my opinion is the real GM of the 49ers, Lynch is just a figurehead, uh, and your choices were Zach Wilson or Trey Lance at three, who's your pick? Man, that's tough. Um, for this exercise, I'm going to stick with my guns. I'm going to go with Lance and I, I go with Lance purely on his size. You know, uh, the, the kid is what six, four, almost six, five. He's like two thirty-five. What scares me with, with Zach Wilson is just, you know, he's, he's six, one, six, two, barely two Oh five though. You know, I was, got, I, we just got done talking about Kyler Murray and Russell Wilson taking a lot of hits. This is a black and blue division in the NFC West. So I'm going to need a quarterback who's going to be able to take a few hits because they're going to happen. Um, so Lance would be the pick for me at three. Um, if that's how the board fell, uh, I know Kyle Shanahan would probably go Wilson because again, the John Beck connection, I'm pretty sure he'd be more familiar with him. But again, Lance has started to work out with Beck um, just recently. So there, there could be that connection as well. Uh, yes, and one of the reasons why I would take uh, Lance over Zach Wilson personally is because uh, Zach Wilson under pressure is an alarming mystery. Like, he uh, benefited from an amazing offensive line at BYU, and the clean pockets he had, uh, uh, like, uh, didn't give us a complete look into how he functions under pressure. And with uh, Trey Lance, you have more of an idea of how he can work under pressure. So uh, that is a variable um, or a reason why I agree with you. And uh, now Niners back the clock again at 43, and the best corner on the board, you said the corners is Asante Samuel Jr. out of Florida State. You got Aaron Robinson out of UCF, and another corner I like, Elijah Molden out of Washington, still available. But, uh, yeah, Daniel Brunskill is uh, 
your current center, but the center position is ultra important in Kyle Shanahan's scheme, and he got some long-term uncertainty there. And Creed Humphrey from Oklahoma, arguably the best center in this draft, is still on the board here. Uh, do you think uh, we should take a swing Creed Humphrey or one of those three corners? From the way the, the way the Niners have operated, I would probably lean edge defender with the 43rd pick. Um, but for this scenario, I would go Molden because they're going to need to figure out their slot corner situation after 2021. And with Molden, he gives you versatility. He plays outside and inside. Um, so I, I would go Molden here at 43. Uh, actually, there is an edge still on the board, and it's Joe Tryon out of Washington. Then uh, that's the pick. Joe Tryon is my pick at 43. Joe Tryon, <laughs> uh, Elijah Bolden's Washington With teammate, goes instead. So we got Joe Tryon to the Niners at 43 overall. So we got a pretty good haul for the Niners in this uh, mock so far. Trey Lance at 3. Joe Tryon, edge out of Washington at 43. And... Um, just curious, given the importance of the uh, center position, um, why uh, should the Niners uh, pass on interior offensive line help uh, at uh, forty-three? I think I think there's a there's other options uh, later in this draft. I think um, you know with if you're looking at a quarterback like Trey Lance, yes, you want to protect him, but you also have the ability for him to move around a little bit more. So he's gonna he's gonna protect himself. Um, there's guys in this in this draft like David Moore out of Grambling. Drake Jackson out of uh, I want to say Kentucky that plays center and guard. They're you know positional versatility. Um, there's this class is pretty deep at the center and guard position. I think you can always get a guy later um, for this team. And I, I think with what the Niners are doing with Alex Mack, I don't think they're going to take a, a center that early. I think they would take a guy who has similar traits to Alex Mack. Um, that's where Drake Jackson kind of comes to mind, where he could be you know their first fifth round selection. And he could learn under Alex Mack for the two years, and then hop in and be you know a transition um, from Mack to the to the younger guy um, in year three. You know, as long as Mack plays the two years under his contract. So that is um, that is how I that's how I would go. That's how I would play it, and I think that that's how the Niners would play it as well. With Creed Humphreys, I think I think he's an excellent center. I just don't think he fits what the Niners would be doing um, with the outside zone. He is an Oklahoma guy. He's more to me. He seems more like a power run game fit really good at pass protection but I, I think the Niners want a guy who's going to be able to move laterally a little bit better and I you know I got to see him firsthand you know a lot of his stuff they had him with the big boys Deontay Brown David Moore those guys are just bullying people with the power run game at the senior bowl and I think that's what a lot of the scouts and coaches had brought up while I was there so what Drake Jackson was more for the outside zone stuff when they had Michael Carter and Khalil Herbert in it during those uh you know those running drills so I think those two guys would be I'm sorry I think yeah David Moore and uh, Drake Jackson would be guys that can get a little bit later. Oh, thank you so much for reminding me that the 49ers signed Alex Mack. I've been swamped with doing draft stuff. I kind of forgot about some under-the-radar signings like the Niners signing Alex Mack. Thank you so much there, Javi. And uh, <laughs> now we are back on the clock at 102, and the cupboard is pretty bare at corner and uh, at uh, interior offensive linemen as well. And... Uh, uh, the two best players on the board are running backs, Michael Carter out of North Carolina and Trey Sermon out of Ohio State. The best interior offensive lineman on the board is Ben Cleveland, who I'm not sure fits Kyle Shanahan's scheme. Uh, 
we you got Jordan Smith, another guy who you saw now the Cedar Bowl still available. But we already took Joe Tryon to uh, p- probably be the long term uh, replacement for D four to line up opposite mm-hmm. of uh, Nick Bosa. Uh, yep. So. Uh, but uh, you got uh, pretty good safety. Now, Darius Washington still available. You, you got Deontay Brown, although I don't think he fits Kyle Shanahan's scheme. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, Trill Williams out of Syracuse is the best corner. Uh, I don't know what to do here. Javi, help me out. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and this is where I've been taking corner for all my mocks. Um, you know, if you know, if a guy like ben, Benjamin St. Juice is there, I would probably take him. Uh, if they're Jamar Johnson out of, I want to say Louisville, he's a safety kind of hybrid. Um, Melifonwu, if he's there, I would take him. Uh, this is where I would go DB safety or corner. Um, who's the best safety available? Uh, the best safety available is Ardarius Washington out of TCU. Okay. And the second, the second safety, Andre Cisco out of Syracuse. Okay. Then I'm going Cisco just because of the scheme the Niners are running with more of that cover one, cover three look, a little bit more man coverage um, with with Cisco. And he's a bigger guy, so he's going to be able to kind of step down into that linebacker role, kind of what they did with Kwaski Tart early on in his career. So I would go Andre Cisco with the 102nd selection. And now on to the Arizona Cardinals as we start this mock draft machine up again. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals, as we alluded to, are facing a do-or-die season for Cliff Kingsbury. Uh, if he doesn't get his act together this year, he's likely Dunzo in the desert. And the Cardinals, uh, they got some options here. It's interesting. They got Jalen Waddell and Devontae Smith falling all the way to 16, but I don't think they need a wide receiver. Uh, if they want another offensive tackle, they have Tevin Jacobs uh, from Oklahoma State, Aziz Ojolari, uh, if an edge to uh, put opposite Chandler Jones, uh, Another linebacker, Jeremiah Wusu koromoa from Notre Dame. Uh, if they want to go corner, which is uh, their top need, according to the draft network, Greg Newsom the second out of Northwestern is still on the board. And, I would go right there, Greg Newsom. Yeah, and uh, I am from Evanston, Illinois. I live there, and uh, it, <laughs> it's going to be a happy town when both Greg Newsom and Rashawn Slater go in round one. And in this mock, we get Greg Newsom the second to the Cardinals at 16 overall, giving them hopefully the long-term successor to Patrick Peterson. And uh, what makes uh, Greg Newsom such a talented corner that some are sleeping on this draft? You said it. Some are sleeping on him. I think Greg. I think Greg is probably CB three, cornerback three in this class. You know, I go. I go Horn, Sertain, and Newsom. That's my order. Um, I, I just think Newsom does everything you want. You know, he he can play press. He can play a zone. He'll play man coverage. He'll play. He, he just he gets his hands on. He's a good tackler. Great ball skills. Um, <laughs> the only thing that the only thing they knock on him is just size. But other than that, I think he's a great fit, especially for that that Cardinals defense. You got Buda Baker back there. You got Byron Murphy, who I think is is a pretty good corner. He's nothing great. He's not gonna, you know, he's not a world beater or anything like that. But he's gonna he's gonna be a solid corner for the Arizona Cardinals for a little bit. But adding Newsom there, it's just it's just a perfect fit. You know, that's a lot of speed on the field, um, especially with the 49ers. They like to you know stretch you out. The guy's a good tackler. He's willing. He's a willing tackler. That's a big part of that. With, with when it comes to corners, if you're not willing, then why are you out there? Um, super slept on because he played at Northwestern. It's Northwestern people. <laughs> People sleep on Northwestern and the Big Ten for a lot for some reason, um, but I think Newsom's gonna be. I think Newsom be a great fit in Arizona. Um, I, I, you know, we'll see what Vance Joseph does with the defense this year. Um, but they were they were running a lot of man from what I from what I remember. 
So I, I think I think he fits their scheme very well. He definitely does. And now on the clock at 49 overall, the final pick for the Cardinals in this three-round mock because they have no uh, third-round pick, as we mentioned earlier. And you mentioned uh, their need for another linebacker to pair with Isaiah Simmons. And Baron Browning, uh, an athletic freak from Ohio State, is still on the board. But uh, you want interior offensive lineup for the Cardinals. You got Wyatt Davis and Creed Humphrey still here. Or a, a tight end, Pat Fryermuth out of P- Penn State. Uh, I go, I go with Pat Fryermuth out of Penn State. They need that. They need a tight end. They need to figure that out. They need the, another pass catcher. Um, he's a willing run blocker. Also, I'm a Penn State fan, so I watched a lot of Pat over the years. I think he'd be ideal for, for that Cardinals team. Um, bigger target for Kyler. You know, could be a safety blanket for him, so that way Kyler's not taking so many hits later in the downs. Um would be ideal for that offense you know it's they do like to get vertical and he does he's a he's, he has a, the ability to get vertical with the best of them so um yeah pat pat would be ideal there so greg newsom and then pat yeah that's that's solid first two picks for the arizona cardinals both big 10 guys too so that's uh showing love to the big 10 <laughs> yeah and uh, the cardinals uh, if they came up with a haul like that uh, they would be very happy particularly kyler murray having a guy like pat firemuth to uh throw the football too and uh, that defense getting some much needed help against the NFC West basket attacks with uh, Greg Newsom the second and now the Seattle Seahawks and we're of course just making one pick in the three round mock because they only have one pick in the first three rounds and three picks overall in this draft and uh, in reality I wouldn't be surprised to see the Seahawks trade down once maybe even twice from 56 to accumulate more capital but uh, just for this exercise we're going to make the pick here and the Seahawks are on the clock. And if you look at who's available, who? Wyatt Davis, interior of that's from Ohio State. Landed Dickerson. He might fall this far due to in- his injury history out of Alabama. Um, is still available here. But if they want edge, you got Ronnie Perkins uh, from Oklahoma. Gregory Rousseau from Miami. Joseph Asai from Texas. And uh, Carlos Basham out of Wake Forest as well. Uh and in terms of uh, offensive tackles, Brady Christensen, who I believe protected uh, Zach Wilson at BYU, is the top tackle left on the board. What do you do here if you can't trade the pick? With, uh, man, I mean, Wyatt, Wyatt Davis had a hard year at Ohio State. Um, I, I mean, I'd probably go. I'd probably just add to the depth of the, of the defensive line. JJ Watt's not gonna play forever, so I, I would probably go with Basham. Actually, this uh, is the had, Seahawks. Oh, Seahawks. I'm sorry. Um, then yeah, no. My answer then still is Basham. I'm going with Basham to Seattle. Uh, they need to add to that pass rushing. Uh, that pass rushing group they're lacking there. Yeah, they have Carlos Dunlap back, um, but the rest of the the rest of the defensive line is getting older. They're not very. They're not. They struggled last year until they got Carlos Dunlap. Um, so they're going to need another edge rusher. So Basham gives them versatility. He's another one of those guys that can play three, three tech, five tech, and then the nine. So he he gives them vers- positional versatility there. That would be an ideal scheme fit for them. Um, so yeah, I would pair him with Carlos Dunlap, and then of course I, I want to say, T T was it L J Collier? He hasn't really yeah, panned out. Yeah, L J Collier. Yeah. Yeah, he hasn't really panned out. So they're they're going to be looking to kind of reestablish that that defensive line, and Basham would be an ideal fit. He's a smaller guy. Good speed, uh, can get around the edge, can play against some most guards. So I would I would go bash him there. 
So Boogie Basham, the pick for the Seahawks in their three-round mock with obviously only one pick there. And last but not least, we are on to the Los Angeles Rams hoping to finally win a Super Bowl for Sean McVay. They got oh so close um, during his first uh, two years at the helm, but uh, they decided Jared Goff wasn't the guy to do it, so they bet all their money on Matthew Stafford <laughs> to finish the job, but they're going to have to help him without first-round draft picks in order to get there. And now with the Los Angeles Rams on the clock, um, let's see who we have available uh yeah, Brady Christensen is available at tackle, but also Wyatt Davis for the interior offensive line. Uh, if if uh, you want to go offensive line first, Brady Christensen or Wyatt Davis, who's your pick? I'd probably go with Christensen. Um, they're going to need a tackle here in the next year or two. We don't know how long. Um, who's the left tackle? Andrew right Whitworth. Now? Yeah, I don't. Who, Andrew Whitworth's got at least one year left, so I'm going to go with the tackle. So I'm going to go with Christensen. Uh, there and see if he, you know, see if he can trans transition from BYU to the pros. So yeah, I would go with Brady Christensen uh, with that selection. Yeah, definitely makes sense. You need your long term replacement for Andrew Whitworth uh, with one of the first uh, two picks they have on day two. And uh, Brady Christensen, they could do far worse than uh, picking him at fifty seven. And uh, back to the uh, Seahawks for a moment. Uh, you mentioned uh, Carlos Dunlap. I think they only resigned him essentially for one year because when you look at the guaranteed money on his new contract, uh, it essentially expires after 2021. So Edge uh, might indeed be their best route at 56 if they can't trade down. Yeah, that would be their that would be their best fit, I think. And we are back on the clock with the Rams at 88. Now we got them their offensive tackle in Brady Christensen. And, uh, but now, uh, you want to look more at defense here. We've got Janarius Robinson, an edge for Florida state or Peyton Turner, an edge from Houston, Quincy Roche edge from Miami. Uh, let's see who else we have. Uh, I don't think they need too much help at corner. I'd go with Peyton Turner and I wouldn't hesitate. Peyton Turner. What makes Peyton Turner a good pick here at 88? I think Peyton Turner, you know, he, his pro day was Excellent. You know, he has a really good burst. He's got a really good 10-yard 10, 10 split. Um, and I liked his tape at Houston. I thought he was solid for them. Um, he's going to, you know, and again, positional versatility allows them to have just a lot of, you know, ability to, you know, to move guys around. You know, we saw Aaron Donald move to the edge. We saw Aaron Donald play three technique. We saw Aaron Donald play the nose. We saw um, him you know, just be all over the defensive line. So you're, you're getting with Peyton Turner, you're getting a guy who can do that too. You know, he could play the three, the five, the nine, you know, and if you need him to, he can line up right next to Aaron Donald. So that's just going like, to give you that, that ability there. Um, I just think, I think he's just a solid prospect. You know, he's, he's just, Houston has always had, to me, Houston has, has always put out guys, some dudes. Um, so I, as much as I would, I would like him in San Francisco. Um, I think he's an ideal fit or the Rams and what they do. So, Yep, Peyton Turner, the uh, pick at 88 for the uh, Rams. And back on the clock with 103, as in pick 103. And <laughs> uh, the cupboard is kind of bare here. Uh, uh, you, uh, They say they need uh, interior offensive line help. The best one available is Aaron Banks out of Notre Dame. Uh Tight end, uh, the best tight end available on the board is uh, 
Kenny Yaboa from Ole Miss. <laughs> and uh, linebacker, let's see, we got here Derek Barnes out of Purdue, or Dylan Moses from Alabama, or Monty Rice out of Georgia with this uh, possible pick. Uh, I'd probably go with Dylan Moses. Dylan Moses. Uh, yeah. Y- yes. and uh, That's a tough one because with, it, with the Rams, they, they have, like, it's, you know, how many guys are actually going to make the team? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, you know, when you're having that pick, you, that's the guy that you, you think will make the team, and he should make it, and he'd be, you know, able to play. He'd be able to start right away. So that's that's a, you, they need starters right away. So, uh, yes, yeah, Dylan Moses. He was being hyped as a potential first round pick in 2019, but uh, he uh, tore his ACL before the 2019 college season and uh, decided to return to Bama for his senior year. And uh, he didn't look 100% recovered last year, so that's why his stock took a tumble. So this could quietly be a huge steal. If the Rams can develop Dylan Moses. So Dylan Moses is the final pick for the Rams. And they are three round mock. And Javi, thank you so much once again for joining us. And that's it for today here on Sports Crunch. But our dash to the draft divisional tour around the NFL is on to the AFC North in just a few days. So stay tuned. But in the meantime, be sure to check out the episode archive as well as my blog at sportscrunch.com. And remember, that is Crunch with a K. And if you enjoy these podcast episodes, please consider leaving us an iTunes review and donating to our Patreon at patreon.com slash Sports Crunch, so we can improve our iTunes ranking and afford to produce even more shows with awesome guests like Javi. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at dcrom 59 and follow Javi on Twitter at JavierVEG underscore. For Javier Vega, this is David Cromwell saying so long and as usual, wear a mask over your nose, wash your hands, social distance, stay awesome, stay safe, and when it's your turn, Please, please get whatever COVID-19 vaccine is available to you so we can fill those stands at every football stadium in America come September. Thank you very much, everybody. (laughs) 